We extend a warm welcome to all who have joined this evening as we celebrate with our graduating class in this act of commissioning. We would like to offer a special welcome to Dr. Peter Ricketts, President and Vice Chancellor of Acadia University, and his wife, Mary Ann. We also welcome Dr. Heather Hemming, Vice President Academic of Acadia University, Reverend Dr. Harold Mitten, third principal of Acadia Divinity College and alumnus, and alumnus Reverend Dr. David Watt, the former Director of Development and Recruitment. And I might add, on Sunday afternoon, David will receive the Honorary Doctor of Divinity from Acadia University during Convocation. David, we offer you our heartfelt congratulations. Again, a special welcome to our graduating class, to your family members, the church representatives, and your mentors. You will note this evening that we have, and we're pleased to have an official photographer. And as this is a service of worship, while we are honoring our graduates and commissioning them before God, we would request that you wait until following the service, at which time there will be an opportunity to take uh, photographs here in the sanctuary. We have just come, many of us, from the commissioning supper, a great sense of the presence of the Spirit of God, and we're counting on Him being with us here tonight. Amen? Amen. So we're waiting on Him. Are you ready? And this is what I sometimes ask our students. Are you ready to receive the call to worship? At which point you go, yes. Well, here it is. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for the worship of Almighty God. Hear the psalmist call us to worship. O God, you are my God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. I would like to ask Reverend Dr. Frank Quinta, the interim senior minister of Woolful Baptist Church, to offer the prayer of invocation as you remain standing. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, who never fails to exemplify truth, grace, and justice, we come to ask for your blessing as students Please allow this celebration to be the impetus that leads us to confess that even though we have succeeded, you have much more for us to accomplish. As teachers within the academy commissioning this class of scholars to their mission and ministry, help us to be focused on our next responsibilities, ready to embrace a new cadre of students into the arena of discovery, discovering your will for their mission and ministry. As a community of supporters, family and friends celebrating the graduation of our children, help us to embrace the responsibility to continue to pray for their faithfulness to the cause for which you have called them. 
May the music we sing, the scriptures we read, the message we hear motivate us to these callings. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. We have welcomed our president, and I would invite you, Peter, if you would please join me to bring greetings to our leaving class. For uh, 180 years, Acadia University and its predecessor has been a shining light in this beautiful part of the world. It has been a beacon educating young people, and some not so young, to go out and do the work of the Lord through their lives lived. For 180 years, this institution has produced wonderful people who have done wonderful things. And each generation of student, the graduates of each class, have taken part of that light with them, and they have taken it across this region, across the country, and around the world, and shone that light, the light of Acadia, everywhere they go. And they have lived out the spirit of Acadia in all the good things that they do in their lives. Now it's your turn to take that light and to make use of it and to show that light to others. And I know that you're eager to do that and that you will relish that responsibility and that opportunity with the same enthusiasm and passion and commitment and dedication that you have shown throughout your years of study and learning here at Acadia. And I know that we are all confident that the class of 2018 will build upon the many, many classes that have gone before you over the past 180 years. And we look forward to the impacts that you will have and the lives that you live as you go forward and take the knowledge and skills and understanding that you have learned here and put them to good use. And I know you will. And as you do that, you will also join a vast network of people who have gone through this place and learned and graduated and are now part of the Alumni Association and I can tell you, they are the most dedicated and passionate uh, alumni of any university anywhere. And you are going to be part of that. And I urge you to be active members of that alumni. Because I know that everywhere that I go, I meet members of the alumni from the Divinity College who are really working hard to make sure that Acadia University and all that it stands for and all that this college stands for is respected and known around the world. And through your actions, you will all be wonderful ambassadors for this university 
and for this college. So I want to wish you well, wish you every success on behalf of everyone here at the university. Congratulations. We will miss you, but we will also look forward to continuing the relationship with you as members of the wider Acadia family. And I know that you are going to do us all very, very proud. And that you will also, I know, do the Lord proud because he'll be watching over you and guiding you. And you will be doing everything you do in his name and his honor. Congratulations and good luck. And I wish you Godspeed in all that you do. Thank you. From the Contemporary English Version, Psalm 23. You, Lord, are my shepherd. I will never be in need. You let me rest in fields of green grass. You lead me to streams of peaceful water, and you refresh my life. You are true to your name, and you lead me along the right paths. I may walk through valleys as dark as death, but I won't be afraid. You are with me, and your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest, and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life and I will live forever in your house, Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This time I would like to welcome Reverend Dr. Garth Williams, Associate Executive Minister of the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada, to offer greetings to the leaving class. Good evening. Dr. Ricketts, Dr. Gardner, platform guests, family, friends, and students. It's my pleasure to come tonight and bring greetings uh, on behalf of the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada, on behalf of Council and our President, Mr. George Gray, as well as on behalf of our Executive Minister, uh, Peter Reed, who sends his regrets. Uh, but we want to extend to you a great welcome and celebrate and congratulations on the accomplishment that you will be able to celebrate uh, today. We have been able to enjoy, as the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada, a rich and blessed relationship uh, with Acadia Divinity College. In fact, we returned Wednesday from meeting with colleagues across Canada, and one of the things that they are very jealous of is the relationship that we have with ADC. Now we recognize that those who study at Acadia Divinity College come from a variety of denominational backgrounds, and we believe that that just enriches and enhances the opportunities for our students, not only of the Baptist denominational stripe, but of the kingdom of God, to be able to sharpen and encourage one another in that context of rigorous and uh, thought and argument, if I can say that. And we are grateful for that. So on our behalf of the CBAC, congratulations. 
make much of Jesus as God invites you, whether it's back to the marketplace, whether it's to chaplaincy, or whether it's to pastoral ministry. Make much of Jesus. In addition to the degrees that will be conferred on Sunday, Acadia Divinity College offers certificate and diploma programs uh, for students for whom uh, those particular programs are particularly suited. Uh, for some in the uh, diploma or certificate programs, it has been decided by uh, perhaps the Board of Standards that uh, they have life experience that means that this would be the best way for them to prepare for ministry. For others, the degree or diploma is what is particularly suited to the type of vocation or training that they are preparing for. And it's my privilege this evening to be able to uh, present those, uh, those diplomas and certificates to three individuals who are here with us this evening. So I'd invite them to come forward here at this time. First of all, the, uh, graduate sorry, the Graduate Diploma in Christian Studies to Heather Lynn Dean. Again, the Graduate Diploma in, in Christian Studies to Kevin Scott Richardson. And the Certificate in Christian Studies to Debbie Audrey Simmons. It is my privilege to lead you in singing praises to our God. Why don't we stand together?
to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away they're washed away Hosanna Hosanna you are the God who saves us you're worthy of all our praises Hosanna Hosanna come have your way among us we welcome you here Lord Jesus cause when we see you we find strength to face the strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away washed away
time I would like to welcome one of our graduating students, Andrea Anderson, to the front to give reflections of a graduate. Andrea. <laughs> Only because of the grace and mercy of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mr. President, 
Madam Price, President, Vice President, Chancellor, faculty, staff of Acadia Divinity College, pastors and members of local churches, family, friends, and special guests. I want to welcome you here this evening uh, to our commissioning service. My name is Andrea Anderson, and I am a graduate of the Master of Divinity degree here at Acadia Divinity College. Yes. They've given me a limited amount of time, so I can't share all the stories I want to share with you about, you know, Dr. Robbins and Chris Johnson and people of those kind, uh, <laughs> shall I say. Um, but I will say this, Acadie has been more than just a university to me. It's been a place where I have developed uh, strong relationships and great friendships, and I'm truly grateful for all of that. But as I reflect on my time at Acadia, I recognize that as Granuans, we are very different in many ways. We come from different places all around the world. We have different ethnical, cultural, and denominational backgrounds. We've even pursued different degrees and programs. And some of us are preparing for ordination and vocational ministry, while others will go on to pursue further theological studies. We are different in many ways, but I am confident of this, that God has called us because of our differences so that we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Make a difference in our local churches, in our communities, and in our workplaces. Make a difference in the world in which we live so that we can have an impact for the kingdom of God. I'm proud to say that Acadia Divinity College has equipped each one of us to make the difference to which we have been called. We have been instructed by highly accomplished faculty who have challenged us in ways that caused us to grow in our faith, equipped us with a firm foundation on the Word of God so that we can stand and be confident in what we believe and give an account for it. When I think about the first year of, of my year at Acadia and some of the classes that I entered, I think about entering Matt Walsh's class for Hebrew and Greek, and I entered with great trepidation. But I want you to know that I came out on the other side with a greater appreciation and understanding of the scriptures because of these very languages. I've had an opportunity to explore and prepare my biblical responses to the ethical issues facing the church today. My leadership ability has been enhanced through the various leadership courses and my experience at Acadia Divinity College. And in 2017, my pastor, who's here this evening, Leonard Anderson, gave me a significant leadership role in my church, where I currently lead 12 ministry teams. I learned that leadership is not solely based on your accomplishments or the title that you earn but the relationships that you establish and what you do as a person to mentor, to grow, and to develop others to become leaders, to produce future growth for the church. My development as a leader has also been recognized by my employer who has supported me in various ways on this journey for which I am truly grateful. In the progressive way Acadia has offers its degrees and programs, it made it possible for someone like me to maintain full-time employment for seven years and be able to complete my Master of Divinity. I was able to take both evening and weekend courses in Metro, 
attend several intensive classes, participate in online classes, and I might add, if you intend to do that, make certain that you don't do what I did. I almost showed up on class online without combing my hair and putting on any makeup. You are alive when you're online. And I also had the opportunity of completing a directed study. I might add that it is also my intention to attend future metro and intensive classes at Acadia. I know that being a student has long hours of study time, writing papers, doing research, et cetera, and et cetera. But there also comes the burden of finances of being a student. And on behalf of my fellow Granuans, I want to thank every individual, every church, every organization who made a financial contribution to Acadia Divinity College from which we as students have benefited. And to my fellow Granuans, I want to remind all of us, ministry is not easy. There will be challenges, there will be disappointments, discouragement, and even frustration. Not everybody is sheeps. There are some goats in the congregation. <laughs> but I always want you to remember that people are different, just as we are different. But God has called us to make a difference. And so I say to you, Go in the power, go in the might of the Holy Spirit and do what God has called you to do and make a difference. Well, here's another prophetic voice, and that's... <laughs> it's from Isaiah 40, verses 9 to 11. <laughs> Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. He reward, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. May God add his own blessing to his own word.
Let us quieten ourselves and listen to the words that are written in the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. May we hear within these words of scripture, God's word to us today. It is at the faculty's invitation, and I might add my vote too, that I would now like to welcome our guest speaker, the Reverend Dr. Carol Ann Jansen. Carol Ann Jansen was born in the Netherlands and as an infant moved with her parents to Ontario, Canada. Later, as a young child, she and her family moved to Nova Scotia where she has lived and served most of her life. Carol Ann earned a Bachelor of Arts Honors in History at Acadia University in 1971, a Master of Arts in History at the University of New Brunswick in 1978, and a Master of Religious Education at Acadia University in 1995. She became an ordained minister within the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada in 1997 and worked in several Nova Scotian churches. In 2006, Carol Ann earned a Doctor of Philosophy in Education at the University of Alberta. While still in her PhD program, Carol Ann joined Acadia Divinity College in 2003 as adjunct lecturer in Christian education and assistant to the associate dean. During her time at the college, Carol Ann has passionately served in several positions, including assistant professor of practical theology, assistant to the director of the Doctor of Ministry program, director of mentored ministry program, and dean of students. In 2013, Dr. Jansen became the director of the Charles J. Taylor Center for Chaplaincy and Spiritual Care. Throughout Carol Ann's career at ADC, she has been motivated by helping students accomplish their goals and making sure they have the tools to minister effectively. Her gift of seeing students' potential and encouraging them to reach it, as well as caring for them, has been evident and appreciated by her students. Upon Carol Ann's retirement this year, she was appointed as Regional Director for the Atlantic region of the Canadian Bible Society. 
In her new role, Carol Ann will lead a team of staff and volunteers across the Atlantic provinces to deliver renewed ministry programs and church and volunteer engagement. She has served on the Nova Scotia District of the Canadian Bible Society since 2013, establishing long-term community relationships within Nova Scotia and the other Atlantic provinces. She brings a heart of understanding for mobilizing Canadians to become more active in partnering with those elsewhere to bring the gospel to all nations. Welcome, Carol Ann. No snickers allowed. First of all, thank you, Dr. Gardner and the faculty for the invitation to speak to our graduating students this evening. Secondly, my apologies, sort of, to those of you who have gone through mentored ministry. I'll be repeating a theme I've spoken about on other occasions, but this will be the last time you need to hear it from me, and it bears repeating. And a word to the family and friends of the graduates and to supporters of Acadia Divinity College. Although my focus this evening is on the graduates, I trust and pray that my reflections will resonate with you as well. Thank you, Jessica, for bringing the words of our primary text to life for us. And finally, Dr. Ricketts, thank you for your good words. Let us pray. O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The passage I've chosen to speak on is surely one of the most familiar in the Gospels, and many of you have probably heard it preached on numerous times. In fact, it's all summed up on a little poster downstairs in the children's area, so I thought maybe I should just bring it up, show it to you, and all done. In fact, our president, Dr. Gardner, used it as his sermon text in the final chapel service of the term. However, I believe that Jesus, in these few verses, encapsulates both the foundation and task of ministry, so I dare to bring it to your attention again. Whether that ministry be in parish, teaching, an entrepreneurial Christian ministry of some sort, or an institution, such as a hospital or a prison. Unless you have been called to a hermitage for a ministry only of intercessory prayer, and I think this is highly unlikely in this particular graduating class, any ministry involves interaction with people. And I will say at this point, if you get too bored, you may look at the, the stained glass window there and reflect on it, because it <laughs> is the sermon. Now, I realize that the metaphor that Jesus uses, that of sheep and shepherd, is a foreign one to most people today, outside of their lived experience. But as my family and close friends know, I love sheep, the woolly kind, that is. And I'm a country girl, so I'm sticking with this metaphor. 
and I will state right now that I do not believe that sheep are stupid. We are not going to be exploring that theme. Sheep simply do what God created them to do. But now to our text. In this post-resurrection scene, Jesus has appeared to seven of the disciples as they are fishing, has directed them where to fish so they've made this huge catch, and to top it off, he's cooked breakfast for them. Following breakfast, Jesus has this interesting conversation with Peter, as recorded by John. Jesus begins by asking Peter if he loves him, not once, but three times. Now, as many commentators have noted, this repetition is an obvious parallel to Peter's threefold denial of Jesus before his crucifixion. But what I find more interesting, or more important maybe, is that there is a required action consequent to that love that Peter expresses. If you love me, Jesus states, then you will, well, will what? Feed and tend the sheep. We know that Jesus linked love of God with love of neighbor, something that we're all called to live out. But there's another angle here in this conversation that I want to explore. Jesus is speaking directly to the disciple he had earlier described as the one on whom he would found his church, and indirectly to the other disciples he was sending out into the world to do his work. So here I find the model for those who feel called to ministry in Christ's church. As heirs of those first disciples, we are called into the gospel ministry we who are called into the gospel ministry must first love God in Christ, and then we must feed and tend the flock. And it's the feeding and the tending we'll turn to now. I've long thought it interesting that a couple of words are used in this passage in regard to the sheep. One verb is universally translated as feed in almost all translations while the second one may be translated as either tend or care for. Even though the word tend is less common in daily speech, I prefer it. I'll tell you why later. Why might Jesus have used two different terms in his directions to Peter? While my reflections are a little speculative, I want to tease out a distinction between the two. Thanks to the expert knowledge of one of our Greek professors who's already been referenced, Dr. Matt Walsh, I discovered that the word Jesus uses when he says to Peter, feed my lambs and feed my sheep, can be pronounced usually boxo, but he told me it could also be pronounced boxo, which I think is entirely appropriate. It means to attend to the primary needs of the animals, making sure that they have food, water, medical attention, etc. I don't think it's a huge stretch to use this as a metaphor for one's human flock. Whether they're young lambs or older sheep, and the text intentionally mentions both, they all need feeding. To me, feeding implies teaching 
and brings to mind the list of spiritual gifts in the letter to the Ephesians, in which pastors and teachers are closely linked together. Interestingly, in the Ephesian passage, the word for pastor is the word for shepherd. And what is the feeding intended to accomplish? Well, Ephesians emphasizes unity in the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, maturity, and the full stature of Christ. Quite a tall order and a frightening responsibility in my mind. Since, as James puts it so bluntly, teachers will be judged with greater strictness. Given my personal interest, I automatically think of lambs as children who need such careful feeding. But lambs could also refer to Christians of any age. Both need to be nurtured and nourished if they are to grow into healthy adults. It will be your responsibility as a shepherd teacher to see that the lambs in your flock are well fed and not with trite answers or half-truths that do not stand up to the realities of life. Let me read part of a letter a friend wrote me quite a long time ago, asking for my advice. And she gave uh, permission for me to use this letter, and some of my students have already heard it. And this is what she wrote to me. I have a friend who's going through a bitter divorce. Here's the scenario my friend needs help with. Her husband walked out about six months before her mother died after a very hard struggle with cancer. The 11-year-old son, whose mum has taught him that God answers all prayers, has said this. Mum, how can I believe that God answers prayers like you said when I prayed for Nana not to die, but she did? And I prayed that Daddy wouldn't leave, and he did. And I prayed that you and Daddy would get back together and you're getting a divorce. How do you expect me to believe in God? What does a mum say? Are you prepared to give theologically sound advice to that mum or to that child? How are the lambs in your flock being fed? week by week. I know that you've received sound biblical and theological teaching here at ADC yourselves. I pray that you have been attending and reflecting and integrating it into your teaching. Let's face it, critical thinking is hard work. Struggling with the nuances of various theological or ethical issues is tough especially in our day in which new issues seem to arise daily. Describing recent brain research, someone recently remarked that the human brain is lazy. It takes what we give it and creates order accordingly. So, it's tempting to revert to embedded theology when the daily demands of ministry seem to be overwhelming but lives are depending on proper nourishment. Jesus charged Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Jesus also directed Peter to tend his sheep. This is the Greek word 
sorry, Matt. Why, my no. I didn't have to take Greek. <laughs> it is also used of the lamb in the revelation of John, Jesus himself, who will shepherd his people, wiping every tear from their eyes. And 1 Peter, and in 1 Peter, the letter, the word is used to exhort the elders of the church to tend the flock of God that is in your charge. So, the responsibility for caring for the people can be extended to other leaders in the church. The phrase literally means to shepherd the flock of God, and the fundamental reminder to the elders is that they are its caretakers, not its masters. They are to serve ungrudgingly and gladly and in humility. From my pastoral experience, it's more challenging to tend or care for the flock of God than it is to teach them. It brings to mind that old saying which many of you no doubt have heard countless times but still rings true. To dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with the saints that we know, now that's another story. <laughs> What does it mean to tend the flock? One dictionary defines it as to look after, watch over and care for, minister to or wait on with service. I think of a word that sounds similar to tend, and that's tender. It evokes the beautiful image we have of the Good Shepherd in Isaiah, which we heard earlier. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. It's, the Im it's an image of such beauty that it's inspired artists over many centuries, including one of my favorite composers, Georg Friedrich Handel. And thank you, Christiane, for sharing it this evening so exquisitely. When I served years ago as deacon and then as a supervised divinity student at Kenful Baptist, my pastor at the time, Reverend Judith Todd, used a phrase I was new to. She spoke often of tending out on individual par parishioners, tending out on. It would be said with genuine concern and seemed to encompass the whole spectrum of human need. So it entered my vocabulary too. So that's why I prefer tend to care for. Tending begins with love and with your theology of the human person. Do you believe that everyone is made in the image of God? That they carry the omago day in their genes? Is it just an abstract belief or do you live it? Do you love your people as Christ loves? I often recall the statement made by one of our graduates years ago during his ordination examination. He said of his mentor, I loved God, but he taught me to love people. 
It doesn't necessarily come naturally or even easily. You can't genuinely meet the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of people unless you love them, in my opinion. Now that's different from liking them. Human beings are cast in such a variety of ways that it's unlikely that you'll relate well to every single one of them. But Christ expects us to love them. Now, that includes the senior saint who feels compelled to critique your sermon every Monday morning in your best interests, of course. The bored teen who has been dragged to church by her parents and make you, makes you feel as though you are totally irrelevant. The trustee who seems to be more concerned for the building than for the people it is intended to serve. Or the deacon who resists any suggestion for change with a knee-jerk reaction. It can push the limits of our humanity to feel a tenderness for these sheep. But if we remember that there is a story and often a private pain behind every face, we can begin to see them as God sees them and remind them of his unlimited love for them. People are hungering for genuine love, and that was mentioned earlier, I think, by someone but they've been hurt so often by shallow or inauthentic gestures that they're understandably cynical or suspicious of what the church claims to offer. It is part of your calling to remain true to Christ's example and to his call. Even as I say this, I realize how simplistic it sounds but I don't know how to say it any more strongly or more convincingly. There it is. Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. The shape and look of the church will doubtlessly change dramatically in the next years, but the task of feeding and tending the flock won't. And it's the how that you'll have to figure out. Naturally, it seems a daunting task. In fact, one of my students this past year, in a response to a reading by William Williman, who has written the quintessential book on pastoring, in my opinion, wrote about his feeling of inadequacy for the role. I was actually pleased to read that, since it indicated a humility that is essential to authentic and effective ministry. None of us are ever adequately prepared for such a role on our own. But we remember that Jesus is our shepherd too. And as the Holy Spirit empowered an ordinary fisherman to achieve extraordinary things for his Lord, the Spirit of God will empower us too. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I am with you always, Jesus promises. In a few minutes, you will be pledging to serve our Lord in his ministry, in his church, and to the world as he directs. I pray that all of you graduates 
new servants of the church or seasoned ones, will be so filled with the love of Christ that, will be, that it will overflow into your ministry. May your flocks be well fed and tended. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Jansen, for challenging words, wonderful words. We come now in this evening's service to the act of commissioning, and without a doubt, the annual commissioning service of Acadia Divinity College is a high point in the life of graduating students and in the college community. This is an opportunity for the college to bless and commission our graduates with our prayers and with our support. It is with joy and in anticipation of all that God has in store for each of them. The Apostle Paul said, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We enter this time joyfully and in confidence of that promise in the life of each one being commissioned to whatever service in the kingdom that God has prepared for each of them to do. And at this point, I will be calling class by class and name by name. And so I'm going to invite the graduates of the Doctor of Ministry program to please stand at this time and to come forward as your individual name is called. And I would ask as you come forward if you would please face the congregation. The following individuals who are graduates of the Doctor of Ministry program, Donald Benjamin Ralph Doherty, Paul G. Ford, Marion Faith Jamer, Jeffrey David Marlowe, Laquita Carol Hopgood Porter, Mary Elizabeth Taylor, Jill Elizabeth Vogt. The following individuals who are graduates of the Master of Arts Theology program, please stand. Come forward as your individual names are called. Nathan A. Adams, Jessica Catherine Bent, Kayla Ann Colfort. Daniel Caleb Mansfeld. Timothy John McFarland. The following individuals who are graduates of the Master of Divinity program, please stand. Andrea May Anderson. Christopher Andrew Johnston. Christopher Dale Pellerin. Lorraine Elizabeth Street. L. Ruth 
Eitan. The following individuals who are graduates of the Bachelor of Theology program, including three of whom are part of our first graduating class from the Crandall Acadia Bachelor of Theology program, please stand. Jesse Lee Campbell. Taylor Mackenzie Craig. Alistair Calvin Johnson. Noah Edwin Lonis. The following individuals who are recipients of the Graduate Diploma in Christian Studies, please stand. Heather Lynn Dean. Kevin Scott Richardson. The following individual who is a recipient of the Certificate in Christian Studies, Debbie Audrey Simmons. That is a very good-looking group. <laughs> you who have now completed your studies and your time of training at Acadia Divinity College are about to leave and pursue your Christian ministries in the world. Whether in church or in parachurch ministries, chaplaincy, missions, or further studies, you have been called to a noble, holy, and demanding task. This is no easy mission, yet you are assured that through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and by the help of His grace, you will find strength and courage to obey His commission. To His apostles He gave the promise, Surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. He offers you a special sense of meaning and purpose in lives lived under his direction. You are to serve him in the ministry which he has commissioned you to undertake. That you have accepted his commission is attested by this period of training and academic study that you have undergone and is now completed. Do you now, in the presence of God and this congregation, wish to reaffirm your commitment to Christ as Lord and to take your place in our Lord's service? Do you pledge yourselves in your entire ministry to seek first the will of God for your lives and the sphere of service He appoints? In response to the pledge that you have now made, we offer this prayer of commissioning, seeking God's grace which is sufficient for life and ministry. Be glad 
At this time, I would like to call forward the faculty, mentors, supervisors, and invitees of our students. I would ask to, for our students, if you would move or step toward me, please, so that others who would gather around you will have opportunity to do so. We'll take a few moments as you make your way. I just want to make sure that everybody has at least one hand on their shoulder. Some of you have more than one. Do we have someone who's yet to have a hand on their shoulder? Glenn, you're pointing to somebody? How are we doing? It's important that we just take a moment and take time want to make sure that all of our graduates have somebody who has a hand on their shoulder. Our academic dean, Steve, Dr. Steve McMullen, will lead us in our, in our commissioning prayer. Let us unite our hearts together in prayer. Almighty God, God of all knowledge and all wisdom. God who loves us, who is gracious toward us, who guides us. This weekend, we come in a time of celebration as we recognize great achievement As we think of the years of study and preparation of these students and of their desire to prepare for ministry, for further study, for whatever you have called them to do. And we gather together this evening conscious that we are in your presence. We gather as faculty and staff, as mentors and friends and family and fellow church members. We gather with a sense of the significance of this time, the significance of these lives, these people who have prepared to do the things that you will call them to do. 
And so tonight we are here with a, a great sense of thankfulness for each of these graduates. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for the way in which in their hearts they seek to do your will. They seek to make a difference in a world where there is much need. We are reminded that we are dependent upon your grace. That though it is important for us to grow in wisdom and knowledge, it is important that we continually depend on you. That we might continue to learn that we might depend on you and allow you to guide. We are aware that we live in a world where there is tremendous need. And you've called us as your people to go in love to that world. You've called us to go where there is a need for justice. To go where there's a need for hope. To go where there's a need for the good news. And we are conscious that we go in your power, not in our power. We go in your power that you might through these graduates, make a difference in our world for the good of those around us and for your glory. And so tonight, we commission each of these individuals that they might go and do the things that you have called them to do. And even more, that they might go and be the people you have called them to be in the midst of a world of need. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite the students to return to their seats for the benediction. As they're making their way to their seats, I want to remind you that following the benediction, we will have our recessional hymn, and I would invite uh, the faculty and our students, they will come back immediately into the sanctuary for pictures and give family and others the opportunity uh, to uh, take those photos. And I also want to remind you that we are all invited to a reception uh, downstairs following our service this evening.
What a night. I hope you'll remember it when times are tough. Remember that we love you and that we're praying for you. Let's stand together and receive the blessing of God. May the Creator God renew His promises to you every morning, that you may be refreshed daily for the tasks He sets before you with integrity and courage. May the reconciling God woo you always to himself in Christ, that you might live at peace with God and each other as he makes you ambassadors of reconciliation in this world. May the sending God imprint his mission upon your heart by his Holy Spirit, that you will share always the joy of good news. May he make us all to be bearers of light, and harbingers of hope. In whatever time he gives you, and wherever he may send you, that all may know the embrace of his love, now and always. To him be glory. Amen.
troublemakers, eh? Troublemakers. 